This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope this message meets you where you are and elevates you to where God is taking you. Enjoy the message. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hopeland Online. Super stoked to conclude our series today, Foolery, God's Message Method and Mandate, Part 4. And I'm going to pray. We're going to jump into the Word uh, I just want to say hello to everyone. Stoked you're on here. Um, I pray and hope that you are getting fed, that you're growing in your faith, that you are truly maturing in your walk with God as a result of being a part of the Hopeland community. So um, God bless you. We love you guys. We're praying for you. All right. So let me pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for today and we thank you for your word. I pray in the name of Jesus that your word does just that that it matures your people, God, that it challenges them, that it encourages them, that it breathes spiritual life, spirit life into them. Lord, your God-breathed word, let it literally breathe into us life and victory and provision and hope. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, amen. Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 31. I'm going to read all through this. Uh, but before I jump in, as you're turning there, the goal for the message today is to expose any shame that's hanging over your life or any insecurity that vexes you, maybe because of where you come from or what, what you've done or whatever. That, that my heart and prayer is that this word, these scriptures that we just dive into will encourage you in who you are and who God has called you to be, okay? So once again, the goal for this message is to cancel out any shame, okay? It's gonna cancel that out and canceled, right? Shame canceled, insecurity canceled, okay? Um, low, um, for lack of a better term, you know, low self-esteem canceled because of God's love, because of his heart toward us as individuals. Um, all that um, demonic garbage, doubt, unbelief canceled. And so we're going to expose shame and we're going to encourage you in who God has made you to be. Okay, so let's do that. First Corinthians 1, verse 26 to 31. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, okay? Not many wise according to the natural um, aspect of who people are, okay? That's what it means by flesh is really this natural world, okay? Natural ability. Uh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish, things of the world to put to shame the wise. Look at the person next to you and say, God only chooses foolish things. Say it again, find somebody, if there's anybody around you, or just say it to yourself. God, say it out loud, God only chooses foolish things, all right? And if there's somebody else in that room, ask them, are you available, okay? But God has chosen, this is God's method of selection. His selection process at the top of his list is foolish. Okay. That's what it says. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. 
And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen, okay? Uh, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him, you are in Christ, Jesus, and who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna look at this, okay? So God chooses us um, being fully aware of our weakness, okay? I want, you to, I want you to know that. I wanna encourage you. that God chooses you and he is fully aware of your foolishness, okay? Uh, and, and that might be the way people have looked at you. Others have kind of looked at you, maybe even disdained you. Yet even in that, God has chosen you, okay? Um, or it might be your own outlook of yourself, that there might be a piece, a part of who you are and how you came to be where you are now and you look back and think, man, that is foolish or that is weak or that is base or you know below or that is despised or that I'm this area, I am not this, I am not that. But God, chooses us being fully aware of all of that all right okay because he knows and this is the this is the this is the big this is the big idea here guys this is the big idea he knows um it's in those areas that he will get the glory right it's it's like man he puts his hand on you and there full well is some stuff going on in your life i mean uh, and and when he first calls you, I mean, there's some foolish things going on. I mean, he's aware, he knows, and yet he still calls you. He still puts his hand on you, okay? Here we go. So so I'm just gonna kind of go through these one more time again, and, and here is um, just some points, okay? Number one, this is simple. This is a simple message. God chooses foolish people. That's what he does. That's what he does. In one way or another, there's some foolishness in there. there, there there's something that the world will look at and say, man, why would God choose that person? God chooses foolish things. God chooses foolish people or, uh, or that are perceived as foolish or that are looked at as foolish in certain environments, okay? So it's, it's in your foolishness that God will make you wise. There's something about your brokenness as a human being that God capitalizes on, that he, those are those areas that God fills. Um, without those areas, we wouldn't need God. Without those loopholes, those inconsistencies, those idiosyncrasies, those weaknesses, those fallbacks, those pitfalls, those those areas of our life that are a little off, just not quite all there, that 
tells you and God that you need him. He chooses those and he will in our weakness, he is made strong. So here it is. God chooses weak people. Here's the next one. God chooses base people that might be looked at as below kind of, you know, just um, that aren't um, looked at for all intents and purposes. Somebody that is a so-and-so or they're this or they're so, you know, they're so special and great. God will put his hand on somebody that is base uh, because there is something about somebody that may feel low that God will put his hand on. And he, the Bible says that, um, you know, if we humble ourselves, right, uh, he will lift us up. So there's something about being um, foolish and base that attracts God to us, okay? Here's the next one. God chooses weak people because um, in our weakness, he is made strong. So this is um, foolish to the world that think about this list here. We're gonna go through them, but this is God's heart for people. This is how much God loves people. And this is how much God is attracted to people that find themselves in a place of brokenness. And God chooses foolish people. God chooses weak, quote unquote. And I would say these are all quote unquote because it might be just perceived the way somebody thinks about themselves in that moment of their life, in that season of life. It might be what other people are doing to them. I'm telling you right now, God is attracted to those that are rejected by other people. God moves in on those that are being done wrong by people. God moves in and touches those that are marginalized. God moves in and touches those that are being bullied. It, 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 here it is, God chooses foolish people. God chooses weak people. God chooses base people, okay? God chooses despised, the things that are despised, despised people. God is, his, his, his selection pool for the called, uh, um, doesn't line up with what the world would think. Oh man, these people are great. This person's resume is so good or this person's really got it going on and this person's really got it, go, got, got it together. I mean, God, you look in the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, the prophets throughout uh, the, the conquest of, the, of, of, of Israel and all the kings to the, the 12 disciples to the book of Acts and the people that God put his hand on, he chose, he chooses people that are despised. So my, my next point, once again, God chooses despised people, okay? This whole thing we're just diving into is just once again to encourage you of an area of your life that you might feel like, man, how could God use this? Well, I'm here to tell you he chose you because of it. I mean, that, that doesn't make sense to our natural mind, but he chose you because of it. He chose you because of the foolishness. <laughs> I mean, he, that's what he, he chose. It's not like God's like, oh man, I got, I got it. I got them. It's like, you know, God isn't there. Like just, you know, you know, the devil gets to pick all these people and God's like, oh man, that's all I got left. God chooses us because, here we go, because we're foolish, because we're weak, because we're base, because we're despised. Okay. God chooses because we're despised and in, in, in some area or, or another God's like, man, I want that person. 
Because God sees something beneath all that. God's value system isn't based on the world's perception of you. God's value system for you isn't based on your own perception of you. God's value system isn't based on maybe how even your parents treated you that wasn't right or pure or, or, for, or for anybody for that matter, the way anybody has treated you or looked at you. God chooses the despised. God chooses the abused. God chooses the forsaken. God chooses the broken. That's his choice. That's at the top of his list. That's at the top. That's, that's just his love. He chooses. I mean, Jesus came. God so loved the world, man, the humanity, people. They were all just, just jacked up, messed up, chose. Okay. Chose. That's, this is his, this is the foolery. This is foolish that the God of heaven, the, the pure, holy, all-knowing, all-powerful, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God, all-knowing in all places at all times. He, he is the God that was, is, and is to come. He's the Alpha and Omega. He knows all things. He knows the number of hairs on your head, right? He created the end from the beginning. He inhabits eternity. This is the creator of the universe we're talking about. And he's like, I choose foolish people. I choose despised people. I choose weak people. You know, I choose base people. That is, that is how God chooses. He, that's what he starts with. That's his first pick, right? That he, that's his first pick. You know, in sports, you know, everybody wants that first round draft pick, right? They want, they want that number one, number two, right? They want, you know, and God's like, uh, you know, God's, his, his selection process ain't even lined up with anything like that. It's awesome. God's love for us is so, um, powerful and it is not of this world because God sees value where nobody else sees. God sees value and purpose that the natural mind does not conceive or understand. God sees value and purpose in you that the world does not see. God sees value and purpose in you that your spouse may not even see. God sees value and purpose in you that you with your natural mind and just the experience of your life that has clouded and made your perception of yourself foggy and, and twisted. And God's like, no, I see something even in the foolishness and in the weakness and in the fact that you have been despised to some degree. God's like, I choose that one. I want that one on my team. I want that one. All right. Just think about it real quick here. Think about, think about God's selection process. All right. Here's David, right? I mean, the man, um, I mean, he, he, he played a harp and he worshiped God, man. But could you imagine God interviewing these people for the job? You know, David walking in with a harp and a bloody sword. I mean, the guy had, uh, he was, he loved God, but he had some, some, I mean, he was pretty intense, you know, Jeremiah, uh, the prophet. I mean, I could imagine him just literally, uh, they call him the weeping prophet. I mean, he definitely had some, some self-esteem issues, some emotional issues. He was, you know, somewhat of a, um, for lack of a better term, somewhat of a crybaby. Could you imagine him interviewing? Hey, man, I want you, you want to be a, I want you to be a prophet, you know? And he's crying through the whole interview, you know, just like, uh, you know, it's like, okay, God's like, man, you know, I, I choose this one to be a prophet. Think about Moses 
to deliver God's people from the reigning power of the day, the, you know, from Egyptian rule. They were slaves. And could you imagine God interviewing Moses for the job? And Moses is like, he's like the man out front. He's, he's God's public relations. He's God's PR guy. And Moses is stuttering through the whole interview, right? Uh, and, you know, and he's just questioning his ability the whole time. But God chose him. Apostle Paul, I mean, that, that goes without saying. He is murdering Christians, consenting to the death of Christians. And he calls him to the very people he's, mur- he's consenting to their death. death. And he's, he's literally on a rampage, okay? He's literally a domestic terrorist against Christians. And God's like, I'm gonna call this one. Peter, inter- could you imagine God saying, hey, why don't you, you know, if he did an interview for disciples, right? To be the representation of Christ. You know, the 12, the initial 12 disciples, 12 apostles, and, and, and this man is, is, I mean, he's cussing through the whole interview, and God's like, hmm, you know, I really see potential in this, Peter, all right? Uh, God chooses despised people. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, okay? Here's, a, here's the next one. God chooses those that are not. God chooses those that are not to bring to nothing those that are, okay? And here it is. God's heart for this is his love for us and it gives God room to receive glory in our life. Because when we have it all together or act like we have it all together and we aren't honest about our weakness, our issue, our foolishness, and open to the Lord, he cannot receive glory in that space. He cannot receive glory, okay? He chooses us where we are, how we are, and he matures us and grows us, and he is the sufficiency where we are insufficient. He is, is, he must be the strength where we are weak. He must be the wisdom where we are foolish, okay? Where we are foolish, all right? Because the scripture says right here, to bring to nothing things that are, this is what it's saying, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God desires to receive glory in our lives and he can't if we aren't honest about who we are and where we are, okay? If, if you aren't honest with who you are and where you are, Christ can't be your everything, right? I'm gonna say it again. If, if I am not honest with who I am and where I am, Christ can't be my everything because I am leaning on my own sufficiency. Okay, God only gets glory through broken people. That no flesh, natural, 
makeup. No flesh will glory in his presence. God's glory can't dwell in a heart that is full of self-sufficiency. The Bible says that he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He chooses the broken so he can receive glory in the areas where we need him to receive glory, all right? God's glory isn't manifest where pride is operating, okay? God's glory will not manifest where pride is, okay? Um, God only uses broken vessels. That is where he starts because he can't get in, he can't receive glory from somebody that, that puts off this pride, ego, that I have it all together. God cannot move in that. God is the master of maturing marred vessels. So once again, God only uses broken vessels. That's, that, is, that is what he uses. So if you're broken, God wants to use you. If, if you're broken, God wants to fill you. Um, if, if there's an area of your life that pains you, um, that, that's where God wants to get glory. If there's an area of, a lot of your life you, just, you have habitually struggled in, God wants to get glory in that area. God wants to touch that area. Uh, whatever it is, I don't know. If it's, a, if, it's, if it's your mind, if it's your soul, your emotions, your, your what, whatever, whatever. If it, God is in the um, heart-mending business, uh, broken, uh, broken vessels are what he chooses. Like he literally is like finding broken, cracked, and marred vessels. Like that's what he's looking for. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Bible says we are the temple of the living God. We are his temple. We are his house. And that the houses he chooses to dwell in are broken, are despised, are foolish, are weak, are base, are not to bring to nothing the things that are. God needs room to get glory. And if there's a house that ain't got no room for him, he passes on by. But if there's a house that's got room, that is open, that is welcoming, that is, I need your help, Jesus, that is humble, that is has humility toward God. I mean, God is like, I'm coming into that house. I mean, this is where, this is where everything changes for somebody when they're like, okay, God, come in, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, mend me, heal me, uh, you know, come into my foolishness and make me wise, come into my weakness and make me strong so you can get glory, come into those things about me that are despised and use me to bring to nothing the things that are, um, uh, you know, something like, you know, uh, come in God to those areas where I am not and make me so I can, you know, uh, that is the gospel that God's like, I, I choose that vessel and I come into that vessel and it's only broken vessels he gets glory from. It's only um, vessels 
that have inconsistencies that he can show how consistent he is. It's only vessels that have a history of unfaithfulness. But they're honest and they're open and God says, I will prove my faithfulness in that person's life. It's only vessels that are honest about their hurt and abuse and, and their pain and their struggle and their, the vexation of what they've come out of that God says, I will prove to that person and everybody connected to them that I'm a healer. It's only the ones that are honest about their weakness, their infirmity, um, and their honesty and openness about it that God says, man, I'm gonna come into that vessel and I'm gonna show them in the world that I am strong when you are weak. Hallelujah. Psalm 51 verse 17. Psalm 51, verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. So here we go. Now we're getting into worship here because God is like, this is worship when a broken vessel just reaches out to God, when a weak vessel says, God, I need you, when a despised vessel, a foolish vessel says, God, uh, you know, I, you know I, I give you this, I need you. Without you, Jesus, I can do nothing. Jesus, you are the lover of my soul. I need you. I can't live without you. I need your presence, your love, your power, your faithfulness. I need your word. I, I need you. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, these, O oh God, you will not despise. He has chosen the things that are despised to bring to nothing the things that are. And brokenness is never something God despises. He actually moves in on the, the brokenness. He's not, he's not repelled from your brokenness. He is drawn to, he's drawn to your brokenness. All right, once again, I'm gonna read it again. I'm gonna read it again. Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise, okay? And, and so let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter four, verse nine to 17. This is the last, um, this is a bunch of verses here, but I wanna read through this. 1 Corinthians chapter four, verses nine to 17. So we've been in 1 Corinthians all month and, it's reason, and the reason is it's because um, the apostle Paul was writing to this church and um, the Greeks, you know, thought that the cross and Christ followers, it was just foolish. It just didn't make sense. I mean, these were thinkers. And, and so apostle Paul kind of capitalized on that and used the word foolish in 1 Corinthians a lot and correlated it to those he calls, those he loves, and, and just our walk with God is going to be foolishness according to the world. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 4, verse 9 to 17. I'm gonna read this. Um, and the apostle Paul is talking about the foolishness of, of, the, of, of being obedient to God, okay? So, for I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last, as men condemned to death, for we have been made a spectacle to the world, okay? So foolishness. Look at the person next to you say, foolery, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake. 
So he's just going to break down as a spiritual leader, apostle, really, you know, the term we use a lot nowadays is pastor. Like, so he's pastoring churches. He's a, he's a spiritual leader. There's leaders under him. He's, he's sending people to these churches. He's visiting these churches. He's writing these churches, you know, Galatia, Ephesians, Corinth. I mean, all over throughout the Mediterranean. I mean, he was, he was on the go in his life leading people, but he's saying that as a spiritual leader, he's saying we are fools for Christ's sake. Now he's gonna explain what he means, um, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless, okay? And we labor, working with our hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. So the, the violence done to them, they would just respond like Christ, okay? And he's saying that me as a spiritual leader and everything I've gone through, the world says that's foolish, okay? He's like, man, we're fools for Christ because I'm still committed to this. I mean, he's writing letters from prison. He's getting beat, shipwrecked, and he never stops obeying God. The world would look at that life and say, that is foolish, okay? So uh, let's move on here. Uh, we've been made as the filth of the world, foolishness, the offscouring of all things until now. I mean, we are, you know, we are, we are garbage to the world. That's what he's saying, okay? That's how we're looked at, okay? Um, I do not write these things to shame you. Like, I don't want, he's like, I don't want to shame you. I mean, I'm obeying God. This is part of the price for me as a spiritual leader to obey God. That's what he's saying. I don't want to write this to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. I warn you. Here we go. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of, the, of my ways in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. And so this is so powerful that um, his life, there was a price and he kept faithful to the Lord to pastor people, to love people, and to serve God and to obey the voice of God and the call of God, the call of God, not many wiser called, the call of God on his life. And he had to go through a lot of persecution and trouble as a result of that. The world will look at that and say, that's foolish. And he looked at it and said, this is the call of God. Now he um, said, man, I am a fool for Christ. And so here it is, my last two points is this. Be a fool for Christ. There's gonna be a price. It's not gonna be easy, but the price is worth it. The price is worth it. There's gonna be a price. I'm gonna tell you this, Christ followers, following Jesus, truly obeying him, following, there will be a price. There will be a fight. There will be a struggle, but it is worth it. It is worth it, it is worth it. And look at this, um, here's my last point. Only fools fall in love with Christ. Only fools, regardless of the price. The Apostle Paul shared his, the journey of his price 
And he was willing to say yes and walk it out even though there were hard times. It was worth it. Be a fool for Christ. I hope you enjoyed the message and my prayer is that it inspired and challenged you. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings and to stay connected, just follow us on social media. Remember, there's always hope and your future in God is great.